Well, the title tonight is He's Still Working on Me. If you're close to somebody there, tell them he's still working on me. Yeah, if, if you're not, um, well, you can just say it to yourself. He's still working on me, but I, I'm going to say it to you. I'm saying it for me, okay? He's still working on me, but I'm going to say it for you. He's still working on you. He's still working on you. He's not done. He's still working on you. Amen. Thank God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. By grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're all saved by grace. All we did was believe in what he did for us. None of us has anything to brag about. All the glory goes to God. We can't ever afford to allow pride to begin to get in and think that we are anything in and of ourselves. No, it is only by God's grace and we just believe. Amen. Verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship, created, created, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. See, we're something that God is working on. But it says created. I want you to realize that yes, we know that our creator, he created everything, Right? But you need to realize this, that when you were born again, God created something. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We need to understand what that word workmanship really means. You know, just as a painter paints a beautiful picture and he calls it a masterpiece, or maybe other people call it a masterpiece, or a composer writes a piece of music, and that's his masterpiece, and a potter creates a beautiful vessel, and maybe a, a, a carpenter makes a fine piece of furniture. You see, we need to understand that we are God's masterpiece. His workmanship. Do you know God doesn't make junk? He starts with junk. Right? But God doesn't make junk. And you just need to know he's working on us. You know, I don't know about you, but most of the time I don't really feel like a masterpiece. Sometimes we just feel like a garage sale item. Right? Some of us do. I know some of you, you, anyway. You might be feeling that way right now, just like a garage sale item. But I'm going to tell you, you really are. God's masterpiece, his workmanship. And you need to know that you're important to God. You're valuable to God. Here's the thing. He didn't buy you or redeem you with, the, with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. You are valuable to God. You're important to God. And as his workmanship created for good works... You need to know that you are valuable, you are important to the body of Christ, to your family, to your brothers and sisters, right? But also to a lost world. You are important to God in his work in this world. A, a, a workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works, you see, we need to get that, that we've been created for a purpose, for good works. You just don't know 
whose lives might be touched through your life. But we need to know this, that we are something that he has made. We are created in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, I just want to say this. I know that sometimes this verse and some others, you know, we, we especially talk about these uh, concerning the lost. But we need to hear this tonight, that we are a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can't live that old life anymore. I said it Sunday. No, we can't live that same old way anymore. All things have become new. And here's the thing. We need to see ourselves created in Christ Jesus. We need to see ourselves as God's workmanship, that we don't see ourselves the same old way. No, we believe what he's done. We see ourselves as somebody that God is working on. As I'm telling you, way too many believers still bound up too much of that old life. And part of the problem is, is they, they still see themselves too much the old way. You need to see yourself as a masterpiece that God is working on, that he has created to do good works. And here's the thing. Even when we don't see it in the natural, you got to see it by faith. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? Stay the same or live that new life? It is the evidence of things not seen. You see, in those times when maybe we're still struggling with that old life, we need to see ourselves as that new creation in Christ. Don't just live by what you see in the natural. No, we're living by faith. And so in those times when you're struggling, that's when by faith you see yourself as a new creation in Christ, living that new life for God. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it says, put off concerning your former conduct, that old life, the old man. Put off that old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I just want you to catch this again. He says, created, created according to God. You see, this is This is something that God created in every born-again believer that we have been created as a new person to live in righteousness and true holiness. Now, he says, put off that old life. He says, put on the new one. And right there in between, he gives us the key to doing that. It's verse 23. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The NIV says, in the attitude of of your mind. You see, we can't think the same old way. We got to have a new mindset. We got to have an attitude change. I'm not that old person anymore. Been living that way, been acting that way, still, you know, losing your temper and put that off. Say, that's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm going to see myself as somebody that has the fruit of the Spirit. I'm long-suffering. I'm gentle. I got faith. I got self-control. You see, you start seeing yourself as that new person instead of remembering and thinking about the way you have been. No, you need to 
Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on that new man and start living the way God wants you to live. You just can't have the same old mindset and think the same old way. No, you've got to change your focus, you see, instead of on what has been and focus on what God has made you to be now. Now, I, I don't know if, if this is really coming across to everybody, but I, I, I just got to... I got to push on this just a little bit because I'm telling you, you are God's workmanship. He's making you into something. And if we just just begin to really believe that, it's not hard to leave that old man behind, those old ways behind. If we just get a hold of this, this is something that God is doing in us. Just like we got saved, you know, I'm going to heaven because I believe Jesus died on the cross. We need to have the same kind of faith that God has changed us, that we're a new creation in Christ. We're, we put off that old man. We're not going to live that way anymore. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm putting on this new man. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. Amen. See, real Christianity is, is not about trying to reform people. It's not about teaching them to do better and it's just a little peeve I throw in here as a side note. I think there's too much of that. We're going to teach you how to do better at this, teach you how to do better at that, teach you how to be a better person. And I, I, I'm not saying teaching is a bad thing. No, teaching is wonderful. I'm saying there's too much focus, though, on just educating because it's, it's not just about reforming people. It's about changed lives. You see, the gospel is all about changed lives. And that's what God does is he changes. He's in the life-changing business. And we need, we need to remember that, that. And not even just for lost people, but for us too. Because what did we say at the beginning? He's still working on me. He's not done. He's still working on me. He's still changing me. Anybody else, you want to claim that for yourself? Yeah, he's still changing me. He's always been in the life-changing business. I mean, he changed Abram's name to Abraham, the father of many nations, when he didn't have any children at 99 years old. But at 100 years old, they have that promise. Well, they had Ishmael, but you know how that went. Well, anyway, at 100 years old, they had that promised son, and he became what God called him talk about a changed life and what an impact he had he changed Jacob he changed his name also Jacob means manipulator or deceiver he changed his name to Israel which means prince of God and oh how Jacob changed he he went from being that little manipulative deceiver into being somebody that was truly blessed by God and there were lots of other people that didn't get a name change, but God changed their description. Like Gideon, Gideon was a man that was hiding out from the enemy, and God calls him and he says, you mighty man of valor. valor. And Gideon is like, are you talking to me? But God changed him. He became that mighty man of valor. And you see this over and over and over through the scripture. So many people that God changed them to, to be something different. And who knows what the Lord might do through you. He's so creative and he has so much power. 
Don't limit God working in your life, what he can do. You know, Jesus gave Simon Peter a new name. His name was Simon, which means reed, you know, blowing back and forth in the wind. He changed his name to Peter, which means rock, that he would be solid, that he would stand firm. Now, see, Peter was one of those people, he was always up and down. And you see this when you read the Gospels, but one minute he's ready to die for Jesus, and then later the same night, he denies that he ever even knew him. One extreme to the other. Here's the thing. God wasn't finished with him. Still working on him. And you see, it's that way a lot of times for us where, yes, we know we're supposed to do this. We know we're supposed to be that. And yet we're still struggling like Peter, still back, tossed back and forth sometimes. He's not done with you. You see, some things happen instantly and some things take a little time, but he's still working on us. Peter sure didn't act like the rock Jesus called him to be. And when we struggle, I just want to encourage you, don't be discouraged. He's not done. You know, Jesus told Peter, you were a fisherman. He said, but from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. He changed his job description It was more than just a vocation change, though. It was a purpose, a calling, a destiny for his life. You see, we need to be aware that God has a purpose, a calling, a destiny for our life. It might not be a vocational change, but for every one of us, God does have a purpose for our life. There are things, what do you say, that God has prepared beforehand that we should do You know, in the King James, it says God has before ordained. Now, when we say ordained nowadays, we're we're talking about a minister, that they're ordained. But every believer is ordained to do certain things. That God has a purpose and a plan in your life, just like he did Peter. You know, there's a time after the resurrection, that Peter went back to fishing. It's amazing to me. Sometimes, don't you just want to judge Peter sometimes or somebody else, you know? Come on. Jesus is risen from the dead. You've seen him. And here you go back to fishing. But maybe we find ourselves in a similar situation where God has done such great things And yet we find ourselves going back to some old ways. Hmm. John 21 tells us the story. Peter, always the leader, right? He tells six other disciples, he says, Hey, you guys, I'm going fishing. They said, Hey, we're coming with you. Peter, the leader. Not always a good leader, but he was leading. So they go fishing. They fish all night. They didn't catch nothing. I think a lot of frustrated people are frustrated because they're not fulfilling the purpose of God. But anyway, the next morning, there's Jesus on the shore, but they don't recognize him. They say, did you catch anything? Do you have any food? They're like, no. He says, cast the net on the other side of the boat. Well, then, you know, Peter, he's, he's quick. He realizes 
Jesus! And he jumps in the water and swims to shore. The rest of them catch this big catch of fish and they drag the boat into shore. And Jesus already has a fire going. He's got fish and bread. And he says, tells them to bring some of the fish that they caught. They're going to have a nice breakfast with Jesus. How wonderful is that? That's awesome. I want you to know Jesus loves Peter. And he loves us. And sometimes we need a whooping. And so Jesus says to him, he says, Simon. Did y'all catch it? Not Peter. He said, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, acting like a reed. Do you love me more than these? And he's talking about the fish. I mean, this guy, he loved his work, right? Do you love me more than these? He says, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. He asked him again, Simon, do you love me more than these? Or do you love me? He says, you know I love you. He says, tend my sheep. He asked him a third time, and the Bible says that Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, Peter was absolutely right. Jesus knows everything. And I, I said this just the other day, but I'm going to keep saying it. We need to realize anytime he's asking us a question, it's for our benefit, not for his, because he already knows the answer. But he's asking Peter this question to get him to the place where he'll make a real decision to fulfill the call and purpose of God and quit fooling around. See, Peter had to come to that place where he would make that choice and decide that he was going to follow Jesus and do what he had called him to do. He wasn't going to waste any more time, that he was going to fulfill the plan, the purpose, the call of God. And I think for all of us, we need to make that kind of choice too. I want you to understand. Listen, there's nothing wrong with going fishing. There's nothing wrong with you having a little leisure time. But there's something wrong when we don't pursue and fulfill the call of God in our life. We got to be ready. Jesus calls him on it. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, it's about to get ugly. Do you love me? You go work in the children's department. Uh Uh-oh. Do you love me? I want you to talk to to your neighbor. Now, Peter, most of us know, that's not the end of Peter's story. No, Peter became that rock. He preached on the day of Pentecost and thousands and thousands got saved. God used him mightily in that early church as a great leader, as a rock in that church. Listen, Peter saw the dead raised. He saw 
so many people healed. When, when Peter walked by, sometimes people had such faith that just the shadow of Peter fell on them and they were healed. I mean, God used him so mightily, but he had to answer that call. And I'll tell you, the same as for us. You just don't know what God might do in or through your life if you truly fulfill those works that God has prepared for you in advance. You know, you are his workmanship, and you need to know that God is a life changer, that what you've been in the past and the flaws, the faults, the weaknesses that you've had in the past, it doesn't limit God, not at all. He is a mighty God. Philippians 1.6 tells us he's still working on us, being confident of, this, confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When's he going to be done? When Jesus comes back, right? He's going to keep working on us until then. So we need to be confident. See, Paul said, I'm confident. We need to be confident. He's working on me. He's working on me. He's still working on your spouse. He's still working on your kids. But we need to be confident he's working on us. You know, just like Peter, there are some things in us maybe that change instantly and some things that take time. But thank God for grace because none of us has arrived. You know, a lot of times we can see where others need to change and if you can't see where you need to change, well, just ask a family member. They'll help you. The man who sculpted Mount Rushmore also sculpted the head of Abraham Lincoln in the Capitol. He cut it from a large square block of stone in his studio. And one day, when the face of Lincoln was just becoming recognizable out of the stone... Uh, some visitors came in and a young girl says to the sculptor, she said, is that Abraham Lincoln? He said, yes, it is. She said, how did you know he was in there? <laughs> I want you to know something. God knows who's in there. He knows who you can be. And he is a master. He knows how to shape us. If we're willing, if we'll submit to him, if we'll just allow him, you know, he's the potter, we're the clay, and sometimes the clay tries to climb down off the potter's wheel. We need to get back up on the potter's wheel and say, change me, Lord. I want to be all you want me to be. You know, I think one of the ways that we miss what God wants to do in our life sometimes is that we want, to be, we want to be somebody else. You know. Oh, I wish I was like Joel Osteen. Some of y'all are wishing I was like Stephen Furtick. You would, I wish Pastor was like Robert Morris. I wish, I'm sorry, God has already got one of them and he's got one of me. And I want to be the me that God wants me to be. And you need to settle into that because I want to tell you, you don't know what impact you will have on eternity unless you let God have his way and let him continue to work in your life. And, you know, when we talk about a masterpiece, sometimes, you know, especially you're talking about a painting, what do you do with a painting hanging on the wall and look at it? That's not what we're for. 
Now, we are all for a purpose. He said there's good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that same grace that made you a new creation, that same grace works through you to do those works. It's not us. We're not doing this on our own. No, it is as God equips us and God empowers us and he uses us. You know, many of us, we have special gifts. There's certain things that we're really good at, abilities, maybe passions, and even experiences that have uniquely equipped you to be able to do certain things. That's right, even experiences. My wife can talk to people about cancer and getting victory and overcoming and being healed in a way that I can't. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you got to go through horrible things or, or great battles in order to be able to help somebody, but I'm just saying sometimes God uses those experiences that we've been through to minister to somebody else. Sometimes it's those experiences that have helped mold and shape us into who we needed to be. You know, I think about old Moses at 40. He was mighty in word and deed, but he wasn't ready. He had to spend 40 years on the backside of the desert taking care of sheep before he was ready to hear God say, go back and lead my people out. I'm just saying, you know where the best way is if we just... We're just sensitive to the Lord. We just, you know, we just hear Him. But sometimes some of us are a little thick, right? But I tell you, God can get you ready anyway. He can work things together for our good. You know, the Bible talks about how each of us has different gifts, and some people have a gift to encourage, and you know that that gift alone can make such a difference in somebody's life to help them get through a difficult place. Some have a gift for handling details. You know this. Uh, people used to say the devil's in the details, but I want to tell you, God is in the details. You know, details have to do with excellence, and details just help things run smooth. I mean, you know, if uh, if the little things are are taken care of, then uh, the big things can happen. But when the little things are, do you know a little thing can derail a big thing? Oh, yeah. I thank God for AJ cleaning the building and doing a good job. Amen. See, there's all kinds of details that are important. You know, uh, you might not consider this much of a detail, but I'm just going to put it this way. See, sometimes people don't think much of uh, children's ministry or the nursery. Well, in the first place, those kids and those babies are just as much an eternal soul as any one of us. And they're doing a great work in there. But you know what? I also appreciate our children's workers and our nursery workers because we get to come in here and worship and hear from God without hearing a crying baby screaming. Oh, one time I pastored a small church and there was nobody to work in the nursery one night. I had a new person with the baby and they just struggled and struggled with their baby. It was so upset and crying and they finally just got up and left and it just killed me. Broke my heart. I just want, you see, we, we got to realize how important every one of us is to fulfill 
what we have, what God has put in us to be able to do and however he wants to use us. If your gift is helping those in need, the Bible says give generously. If it's leadership, govern diligently. Diligently. I think we ought to be diligent about whatever we do for God. Amen? But we need to see ourselves as a creation designed by God to do certain things to fulfill a destiny. See yourself as something that God created for a purpose. You know, you might be a stay-at-home mom. The world may make you feel like you're not really doing anything. But the truth is, is that you have a high calling. You're shaping eternal souls. I love this story. It's from Anthony Campolo in his book, The Power Delusion. And he writes, Too many times women are made to feel that they should apologize for being mothers and housewives. In reality, such roles can be noble callings. When I was on the faculty of the University of Pennsylvania, they were, there were gatherings from time to time to which faculty members brought their spouses. Inevitably, some woman lawyer or sociologist would confront my wife with the question, and what is it that you do, my dear? He says, my wife, who is one of the most brilliant, articulate individuals I know, had a great response. She said, I'm socializing two homo sapiens and the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order in the, into the teleologically prescribed utopia inherent in the eschaton. <laughs> now, in case you didn't get that, she's saying, I'm raising some kids to serve God, to fulfill his purpose in their life, to have an impact on this world in these end times. And after she said that, by the way, she would usually ask them, and what do you do? And they, when they said, well, I'm a lawyer, it just didn't seem very interesting. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't discount the call of God, the purpose of God, the things that God has given you to do. You just don't know what eternal impact you might be having. Some of you might be getting on up in years. Well, you're not just living out your days. Did you know that God knew you would live this long? He still has a purpose for you. When you're done, you're done. But until then, you need to realize you still have some good works to do. I despise the attitude in our culture, but especially in the house of God, that when people get to a certain age that, you know, they're not, they're not really supposed to do much anymore. Oh, no, no, no. I see the wisdom. I know it, it sounds self-serving. I'm, I'm, I'm up there, you know. But I see the wisdom in our elderly people, those that, those that have, you know, retired and those that have been through so many things and learned so much. Oh, how we need that. And I, I just want to encourage you that you still have a work to do for God. What does all this lead up to? All these good works. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, other people see those good works that we were created in Christ Jesus to do. They're going to see that. It's going to bring glory to our Father. Good works. That's doing the works of Jesus. 
John 14, 12, Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, setting people free, blessing people. Listen, we need to realize that everywhere we go, there are people that need something. And who knows that maybe that God would use us to be the answer to their prayer. Most people kind of think they're too busy to do much for God. There was a pastor that was approached by a man who said, I'd like to join the church. The pastor said, all right. And then the man proceeded to tell him, he says, but I'm real busy. I don't have time to get involved and serve and all that. I, 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 don't, I can't work with children. I ain't got no time for the youth. I work every night and, you know, I just don't, I can't be asked to be doing stuff, you know. I need you to understand that. And the man said, well, I think you're at the wrong church. There's a church down the street, three blocks on the right-hand side. The man said, well, all right. He gets in his car and he drives down the street and he, he finds the church. There it is, all boarded up. You see, it takes all of us in the body of Christ to do what God wants to do and to fulfill his purpose. And each one of us is important. But God didn't call any of us to be spectators. What if Noah didn't build the ark? What if Moses refused to lead those Israelites any longer? Hmm. What if the apostle Paul disobeyed and didn't preach the gospel to the Gentiles? Where would we be, right? And what if you don't do the work that God prepared for you to do? What would it mean to your church? What would it mean to your neighbors? What would it mean to your own life? Maybe you got a divine appointment this week to talk to somebody who's depressed. Maybe there's a brother or sister that's carrying a heavy burden right now and they need you to come alongside and help them carry it. Maybe there's a sick person that you're supposed to lay hands and pray for. Maybe there's somebody that is looking for a job and you can help them. Maybe there's a couple that's struggling on the verge of divorce, and maybe God will use you to help them find reconciliation. Maybe you got a divine appointment this week to share Jesus with somebody and see somebody receive Jesus for the first time. You see, we just need to realize that God is not through with us that he has divine appointments, that he has works. There's certain things that we're supposed to do. Now, he's not through with us, but every one of us knows this. We can resist him if we want to. You know, Stephen told the Jews just before they stoned him, he said, you resist the Holy Spirit. See, we got to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. You know, we, we need to be quick to say no to the things of this world that pull us away from the things of God. And we need to be quick to say yes to the things of God. Don't resist him, but be pliable in his hand. You know, one of the ways that God works in our life so often is through his word. It has an inherent power in it. 
It is alive and powerful. And it ha- this power in it, it can change your life. It can bring faith. It can bring correction. It can bring instruction and righteousness. This book, this word is like a mirror. It shows us, as you look into this mirror, it shows us who we're supposed to be. Now, it'll also show you who you are sometimes. But you see, it shows us who we're supposed to be when we know we're not there, but it'll show us who we're supposed to be. And as we continue to receive the word, we just keep growing and we just keep becoming more and more what we see in his word. And he works in us as we spend time with him. You know, one of the things they said about Peter, James, and John is they said, or Peter and John, they said, they could tell they've been with Jesus. And you know, if we spend a lot of time with the Lord, it gives the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to just work in us and change us. 2 Corinthians 3.18, We all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, the Spirit of the Lord moves and works in our lives as we spend time with the Lord. You know what? I think one of the ways that we do that is when we come together to worship. And the presence of God is there. I know that so often in my life, when I needed something, God did something special in my heart during the time of worship. The other is when we're alone in our own private, personal time of worship and devotion. That as we sit in the presence of the Lord, that we're changed from glory to glory. But God is at work in you. Some of you might be in a hard place right now. I don't know why things happen the way they do. But I know that God can work it together for your good. I know that he can even use it to help you become that workmanship that you need to be to fulfill all he has for you. Don't let life make you bitter. Let it make you better. So remember, he's at work. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's not for everybody. Well, it's for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. If you love the Lord, do you love the Lord? Do you realize that God has a purpose for your life? There's a call, there's a reason that you're here. Listen, if you don't know, hear it from the word of God tonight that you be created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has before ordained that you should walk in. And I just encourage you tonight. You see, God is working it all together for your good. He will accomplish his plan in your life. Live as that new creation in Christ and go after, fulfill all that God has for you. Stand with me. We're going to pray.